0: Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast as we get ready to uh, break down what has been a uh, Debatable week in Major League Baseball. It has definitely been the the case here. We have, as we knew, it was a ticking time bomb. the The LaRusa Mountain LaRusa volcano has erupted to cause uh, people talking about it all over the league. We
1: saw that one coming.
0: Shocking! No way. We also have a very sticky situation to talk about. Uh, as uh, a big article from the Athletic came out with Ken Rosenthal uh, and another writer that. Uh, uh, Players are getting fed up of just how sticky the ball is and uh, the advantage that is going to uh, pitchers in the year of the pitcher, version 2.0. And is this a classic form of baseball cheating and uh, just how much that's now uh, erupting over from very sore uh, spot for uh, hitters? and sticky situation, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about 10 MLB draft names you need to know. We're going to break down our... One surprise, one disappointment, division by division. Uh, and uh, also, there's this thing called the trade. We are uh, fire up that hot stove Between because a, a, a trade has taken place. And of course, for us, uh, both the teams that we know very, very well. So you will get some great insight on this podcast here <laughs> on that trade coming up. But first, as always, we dive into the never ending saga known as injuries in Major League Baseball. And before your dad thinks that I forgot. <laughs> The Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, We are now your... Popcorn bandits uh, crossing state lines to uh, uh, take some orders from folks. That's how good this stuff is. That's that right. even when friends come and visit for the first time, we take them by, that hankering now stays with you. And so now we are bringing some over in a uh, quick jaunt to Delivery Michigan.
1: Delivery service. Thank you for delivering for that. And enjoy the your podcast. Is more than happy uh, to <laughs> make deliveries for River Creek Popcorn. Thank you. Thank you. It was a hot day in there, but. Uh, it was pretty busy at times. It was kind of streaky, but yesterday kind of rainy. And I think it actually took that to all those toasts down to Sock to their to their big grand opening that I made yeah, last yeah. weekend. And uh, they were very thankful. And I got a call, and the popcorn was well-received. So they said they had people asking where they got it. So that's a good sign. There you go.
0: Uh, that's a uh, – I think people are there for a different reason. And all of a sudden for that to compel them to say, hey, where did you get this from? See, there you the go. The
1: Eater Podcast, man. That's right. Uh, let's start injuries here. Well, let's talk about the massive one of the week. The baseball's best player, Mike Trout. He was on second base. I believe he drew a walk, and he, there was a pop-out by, I don't remember who it was. Somebody popped out, and he didn't even really run. He just kind of limped to between second and third, and he said that he thought he tore his Achilles, which would have been devastating, but instead it was a right calf strain. And I heard calf strain, and I thought, two weeks, three weeks. And they said, nope, it's a grade two, which is six weeks, eight weeks. So no Mike Trout till roughly the all-star break. It is a massive blow, not only for the Angels, but for all of baseball.
0: And also for someone's fantasy baseball team, as we are uh, looking at till the all-star break there. So we'll talk about that closer to the end of the of the season. The first place. Thank you. Corey Peeper, uh, uh fantasy baseball team. So we'll talk we'll, we'll about talk that. that. later. We'll talk
1: that later. Let's uh catch up on some of the Mets ones, shall we? So at the end of the, or at the beginning of the podcast last week, you mentioned Conforto and McNeil, though they both hit the hams, the IL with their hamstring injuries. And the scariest injury of the week was Kevin Pillar. The very next night for the Mets, he was batting against I don't remember who was throwing the pitch, but a 94 mile an hour pitch hit him squarely in the face. He needed; he's going to have plastic surgery. He did a interview the next day where it looked like I've seen some people say it doesn't look like I hit with a ball. It looks like he got hit with a bat and you know, he's going to be out for a while. I don't know how long plastic surgery will take, but multiple facial fractures there and we'll go from the saddest one of the week. Let's go to the dumbest injury of the week, shall we? You Oscar, you so this is one week ago. Last Sunday I watched, well, I didn't watch, but I saw the Braves gave up a lot of runs to the Brewers and trust me, we'll get to the Brewers offense and how bad it's been. So you Oscar, you got mad and he punched a wall with his pitching hand. Which he proceeded to break and be out a couple of months like an idiot.
0: I don't. I, if you're going to break something, at least don't break the money maker. Like you would for there. Like that's that's your livelihood. You should, kid gloves with that thing. That should be wrapped, massaged, whatever you need to do with that. You make sure that hand is left alone. You want to do something stupid with your other hand? Kick it, kick it, dude. At least that makes <laughs> sense. You don't do anything to a pitching hand. Like that is just so in- insane. Like I would rather have the uh, the bathroom shelf incident from Blake <laughs> Snell, whatever that was, uh, rather than anything with your pitching hand. Yes, I get it; it's your dominant hand, but you
1: have to be smarter than that. And the Braves could use him because they're pitching. He's been pitching good for him, and Snicker, their manager, hinted this week that. Remember, all along we heard, oh, Mike Soroka, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. And now it's, no, he's probably not going to be back this season. Like, I remember when suddenly people were saying, oh, early May, he'll be back. And I said, well, it's an Achilles. Like, how is he going to do this? And he now it's plant whole season.
0: need to plant. Like, that's a a huge thing, and that's a, a harder thing to come back from.
1: And, yeah, that's going to take some time. The annual 10 days off plus for Giancarlo Stanton began this past week as – he hit the Shocking. aisle with his quad strain. So, yeah, every year it's he takes at least one of these, if not two of them. I don't know how long. I and mean, that could be – we've seen quads. That's the injury of the year and calves and th- all those different muscle groups. So we don't know how long that will be. Danny Duffy, this is a bad one here. So Danny Duffy's been pitching good for the Royals, but flexor strain of the elbow. They said that they just wanted to wait. We do not – I have not heard any – Tommy John mentioned yet, but that's the one that that can happen for. So hang in there, Danny Duffy. Oh, Tywan Walker talking about my fantasy team. He hit the I.L. this week. He was pitching well. Three innings, I think it was Tuesday night. Hadn't given up a run and then left the start with side tightness. I don't really know what that means, but that's an he went on the I.L. as well. Side tightness, you started thinking oblique. That's a good guess, yeah. Uh, let's do Dylan Moore. After we talked about him being really cold, he's been better lately, but calf strain for him, we can keep it in that same team. Ty France, after starting well, he got cold, kind of the opposite, and he hit the aisle with left wrist inflammation. Well, let's go to a big one. JT Realmuto hit the aisle with a wrist injury. So he had missed about three days, and they kept saying, he's day-to-day, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. And then they just said, nope, he's got a wrist injury 10 days off. He's kind of been... Inconsistent this year, which is weird, but it, the Phillies are playing kind of like their main player there and playing a little inconsistent themselves. Let's do one on your team. Luis Coutinho, finger injury.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, more of a fluke thing
1: that had happened. They're expecting it to be the minimum time. Good. I missed a Met, sorry. Pete Alonso, sprained right hand. I think I saw somewhere. The Mets have two opening day starters left.
0: Yeah, they have been hit so hard by uh, by injuries at, at this point. It is a – and yet they still find a way to DeGrom.
1: So I love it. He's coming back, actually. Pineda, Michael oh, Pineda.
0: Did, did you hear the uh, minor league uh, story that is at the Palm Coast? The, the Cardinals affiliate had so much fun uh, with their social media feed on him.
1: Uh, nine batters, eight of them struck out. The best one I saw was someone memed it and showed, like – the Anakin Skywalker walking into the younglings just to <laughs> slaughter them. I don't remember who it was, dude. I'd love to shout you out, but it was an amazing one. How would you like to be the one guy who made contact? You know
0: how much you're bragging oh, I know, to your the right? rest of your team. Oh yeah. Uh, you'll make that one go for you, a while. Even
1: if you ground it out to the pitcher, you're like, Oh man, look at me powering up on Jacob deGrom <laughs> throwing 102 down at single eight. Give him, give him a break, man. Come on. Uh, Michael Pineda hit the aisle with a thigh injury and that's a twins player. And, uh, let's go to the Reds. The Reds had two. Mike Mustakis, another one. Oh, he's going to be okay. He'll be fine and eventually the heel injury he is put back on the injury list. That is at least stint number 2. I think it might actually be stint number 3 this year if you count a COVID scare for him. And finally, the third player of the week from my fantasy team to hit the IL, Nick Senzel, knee inflammation, and he also is extraordinarily injury prone. He and his are always like tweaks the and dings and dents. little dings, where he's never quite healthy and it gets really irritating but he has hit the IL, and actually there's one more Redis. i'm looking here wade miley mr no hitter one of the now six which we will talk about i'm sure of the year hit the aisle with a sprained foot and if you've been listening
0: we're now breaking 10 minutes into the uh the heater podcast which <laughs> means there's probably been two no hitters uh during that time period yeah. what are we putting the over under at it for the year now like we were wrong, like we said that it would break the record, right, which was seven, I think, and I think we're at six, not counting yeah. bum we said I said it would tie uh, that was yeah. I remember when we went there, I said the end it would tie, of may? yeah, by the end of May now I was like that's that we' <laughs> see see you you lost about about five seconds of that of that clip, right that said it. it also went low, I, what I really said was, you know by may yeah, i I
1: heard you, yeah. dude, I heard <laughs> I caught you all of it. Should we go to this trade or should we go to on a Heater? Let's
0: let's go let's break down the trade. Uh, again, okay. yeah, normally this is a little early for such a uh a major move. You have the small things happening, but a, a guy who was rated a top 25 overall prospect in Major League Baseball when he was traded as part of the David Price deal with the Detroit Tigers, uh been a key part of the uh the Rays uh uh core for their contending team the last number of years here. Uh defensive uh shortstop has uh uh, a bat that is uh, less on contact, more on power, uh, scuffling a little bit to begin the season, but has been trending up in the right, in the, all the right directions. Uh, now being moved to the Milwaukee Brewers, who I, it's all I, all I we talked about this off air. I said you, this move needs to be looked at in a vacuum on its own first. For Brewer fans to get excited for this and, and be happy with this move, if you if you don't look at it in a vacuum, if you look at it over the course of, of the multiple trades that have that have led to here, yeah, that's not gonna that's gonna not gonna help you. That's gonna make you reaching for the uh, uh, for the, the liquor bottle more than it is going to be actually to uh, look at this and be excited for the upcoming move.
1: So, so I have the Brewers. Yeah. Okay, Go ahead. we gotta talk the Brewers' offense here. I had them down in the heat is on, but we can talk about them right here, right? So the Brewers, and if you're, we live in Wisconsin, obviously, so most of you, I'm assuming, are watching the Brewers. Maybe not. But the Brewers are currently bottom five in baseball and strikeouts, tied for Cleveland, tied with Cleveland, who's been no-hit twice, for the second-worst batting average behind Seattle, who's also been no-hit twice. So somehow the Brewers have avoided the no-hitter, but they are one of the worst three-batting averages in baseball, sixth-worst in on-base percentage, third-worst in slugging, the worst OPS Plus, which if you don't know what that is, go back and listen last week. We said that's probably the most imp- like all-encompassing offensive statistic. Tied for second worst in runs graded plus. Is it unlucky? Maybe. they're fourth worst, lowest BABIP, so maybe they're unlucky. They have the second worst offensive war, only better than Colorado. Somehow they have the second best defensive war, behind only Colorado again, so I don't know how that works out, but maybe. <laughs> Do I understand why they traded for Willie Adams? Do they have a need at shortstop? Yes, they have a needed shortstop. Luis Urias, his offense has been pretty good, uh, serviceable since, I think he started 0 for 18, and he's been serviceable since, basically, they traded Orlando Arcia. But if you have watched Luis Urias the last week, 10 days, you would realize that he is now scared to throw the ball. For whatever reason, he watched Keston Hira, I don't know. He is now scared to throw the ball to different bases, and when he does, it is really bad. So he has, I think, nine errors already at this point in the season. And that you can't play. like You cannot play shortstop while being scared. So.
0: Yeah, that's a... The, the move was needed. Uh, there is upside there. The Rays fans have, have gotten to know uh, Home Willie and Away Willie. And Away Willie hits a whole lot better than Home Willie. He has uh, been terrible at the drop. Uh, moving to a more hitter ballpark, like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's still Miller Park to me. Uh, there's uh, There's extra upside that is there. He's also going to solidify things defensively. Uh, and he will be your most passionate player. Uh, he cheers on everybody, uh, and he was the energy force in that clubhouse. And, and the way that the Rays clubhouse is, that, that says something. Uh, so I think this is a good move for you need to shake it up early. again. Normally this doesn't happen until at least mid-June, if not into July, before you get any sort of major trade. So this is far earlier than normal. So at least you see a front office trying to get something going. Uh, their GM uh, Brewer GM has said that they've been after uh, they've been having conversations about Willie Adamas for a while now, uh,
1: stretching back at least into the off uh, this past off season, if not before. I think we mentioned during the off is Willie Adamas likely to be traded because your team has multiple shortstop prospects that are very highly regarded, starting with Wander Franco, obviously, who, and they moved up Taylor Walls, who doesn't get the hype of Wander Franco or Vidal Bruhan, but is also a very good prospect in his own right. So. They filled in. They got Drew Rasmussen and J.P. Fireisen. So, Drew Rasmussen is – they send him to AAA, right? And we, he's seen – you've seen the big fastball. You, Brewers fans, I'm sure you've seen him be effective, but he got moved on. And J.P. Fireheisen started the year, at, like, record-breaking. I think it was 17 appearances before he gave up a run or something like that. And lately, it's some walks and some home runs have gotten to bite him a little bit, but I think he's right away in the raised bullpen. You said he was pitching today, right?
0: and just got done pitching uh the uh, uh bottom of the 6th uh for the the Rays here and just made his uh his debut with the shutout inning. Nice. Uh, it this is trading both sides trading from strength, right? Uh, the bullpen is the 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 Brewers made a trade uh, for two two big time uh relief prospects and and players have been doing very well. Rays are going to use them in a much more higher leverage situation. You still have the best ninth and 8th inning uh, uh, relievers in baseball that's still on your team. So you're trading from a position of strength to add offense, to add defense, Uh, position player at a key uh, premium position. That makes sense. The Rays are doing the same thing with all of their middle infield prospects and guys that are at AAA and ready to uh, come up. The the, uh, wander clock has now started. Uh, it will not be long, it'll be a month at most, and he'll be up uh, whether it's short top, shortstop, whether it's third base, whether it's a little bit of everything, the number one prospect in all of baseball is going to be in the majors very, very soon. I like this trade for the uh, for the Rays, I like this trade for the
1: Brewers, uh, and uh, I'm just curious to see uh, what happens. It really, so we should mention, it really is not a two-for-one. The Brewers also got Trevor Richards back. Did, he just got healthy, right? He, he's healthy, and th- has been trying to find a role for him. He doesn't have an overpowering
0: fastball. He has an excellent changeup. Think Brent Suter, Brewers fans. Yes. That's a very similar player. One to two-inning reliever. Uh That changeup does have swing and miss ability. Uh Essentially, if you're looking for like a sixth or seventh inning or a multi-inning bridge, uh, you now have an additional uh, player who can do that. So that is an underrated
1: part of this trade. Yeah, so... They did get one burt part back in bullpen relief. I don't know if they're going to make I would assume they're gonna add another bullpen player, but I'm not sure on that. But I agree with Dan. It's it's a good trade for the Brewers. It's and, a start. and that it fills a need. Um you know, you said if you if you take it just on this trade, it's fine. I said if you think about the Orlando RCO trade, you get a little more irritated, but I, I understand why they did it and we'll hope it works out. The RCA trading and you back it up to the, you know, Trent Grisham.
0: Uh, everything that went uh, there, there uh, together with this, that's uh, that's the challenge. Uh, your boy, Mike Zunino, was uh, about a five feet short of hitting a second home run today.
1: Oh, did he actually get another? T- he had another type of a hit? Yeah, so a double. Oh, I didn't even know he could do that. I thought Thanks. it was just home runs or strikeouts, man. <laughs> that's okay. I'll take it. We'll get to that team soon. Let's do on a heater, shall we? Let's go there. Let's get to these. Uh, let's start with the first no-hitter of the mm-hmm. week. Spencer Turnbull, roll tide, Alabama alumnus. No-hit Seattle, their second time this season on Tuesday night. That was the fifth no-hitter of the season, and the second time this year that Seattle had been no-hit. We talk about how Detroit has the three big pitching prospects, right? The Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, and Casey Mize. But Turnbull's only 28, and he's been in the big leagues four seasons. Now that's a total of 255 innings. So it's not a super small sample size, but it's not huge. He has a career of A of 4.33, and it's more indicative of his skill, though, is a career FIP of a 3.64 with 2.76 this season. The X FIPs are always a little higher, which, if you remember as last week, that's how the home runs are, and Detroit is a big park. But I don't think we give Spencer Turnbull enough credit. He's actually a pretty good player for them.
0: Yeah, he's uh, an overrated – because he's not part of the major core of whatever the next wave is going to be and whenever the next wave is going to be. Uh, but he's a solid major
1: league player, and, uh, again – had a very good uh very good week congratulations on the no hitter spencer turnbull put that down on your resume and then you got trumped the very next night Corey kluber wednesday evening no hit the rangers for their second time this season and it was actually the first of his illustrious career so spencer turnbull doesn't get the credit Corey kluber has two cy young awards i think maybe one only but he has at least one he only issued one walk that was to charlie culberson he is a two-time winner i was right uh it's not two-time cy young winner Corey kluber anymore it used to be mostly the sinker, and now it's more of a cutter, and he can still sort of throw the sinker up there, but I would say instead of where he used to rely on it, now it's more pitch variety, and he doesn't throw it as hard as he used to, but right now, I think he's like a four ERA guy as long as he stays healthy. That's what we've always said with Corey Kluber. As long as he stays healthy, he will be serviceable enough for the Yankees. That's the word I was going to use. He's still a serviceable uh, starter uh, if healthy. And in today's day and age, serviceable is good enough that you can get no hitters when you're against some of these really tough offenses, and Texas, Seattle, and Cleveland right now are all been no-hit twice, and we just hold our breath as we wait to see who gets no-hit next. And uh, I guess chances are it will not be long. Let's go to some offensive players of the week. You texted me about this guy today, and I said I already had him on here. So Miguel Sano has come up on The Heat Is On for being very cold before, but I've always said he's really streaky and as likely as anybody to hit a week where five home runs, guess what? He hit five home that runs week this week. Is this week. Tuesday night, he hit three home runs against the White Sox. Two days later, he hit a grand slam against the Angels. Today, you said he hit a home run. He's still striking out 35% of the time, which is exactly what he does. The 195 BABIP is low, but perhaps more surprisingly is that he just hasn't hit the ball all that well. Like You look at the stack-ass stuff, it's kind of off, and he's at now eight home runs this season, but a 169 batting average. I did this a couple days ago, so it could be higher. But at this point, I would say he's probably more likely to hit 30 home runs than to hit 200.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement. Uh, with uh, he's, It's an all-or-nothing batter, uh, fits that mold to a T. Uh, and when he's on, he'll carry a team for a week. When
1: he's off, he's an automatic out. Here's a guy that we're all cheering for, Trey Mancini. I got Just Give Him the Comeback Player of the Year award already. Remember, this man last missed all of last season battling colon cancer. Now, he's out here a quarter of the season in, and he was leading baseball in RBIs with 39. He had 10 home runs. He's hitting 274. Absolutely. Everything he's doing looks repeatable with all the other 9 numbers. I will say at this point, you can bank on 280, 25 home runs, and the corresponding counting stats. And that's just so awesome that you're even playing. So to be like right back like where you left off is just incredible. He's leading the majors in,
0: in RBIs. Like he's, he's awesome. uh, I had fun watching him. The Rays played against the uh, the Orioles for the first time this season. This week, had a chance to see him. He was the uh, the fly in the ointment, the, the pesky hitter. Uh, every situation when it was up there, he he drove them in. Uh, he almost got single-handedly a win for the, uh, the Orioles in one of those games.
1: It's just fun to watch him back healthy and succeeding. Last guy I got is little Jose Altuve. 15-game hitting streak. If you look at Jose Altuve's career, last season's 219 average stands out like an absolute sore thumb. Uh, He is now batting 400 over this hitting streak with four of his five-season home runs. At the start of the streak, he was hitting 247. He is now at 308. His bat-to-ball skills are still as good as anyone, which makes him as likely as anyone to hit 300, which in this day and age, you could hit 310 and win a batting title because of how hard it is to hit. Uh, I've only got one stolen base this season, which... From his MVP days, I think he had a 50-steal season, if, I don't remember, if I'm don't, if remembering correctly. That's not going to happen, although he's still pretty fast. The sprint speed still shows him in the 93rd percentile, so maybe a little bit more hope there. But Jose Altuve, still one of the best second basemen in this game after a, what was a really weird year for a lot of the Astros hitters. Seeing a lot of uh, nice rebounding taking place there. Oh, let's go to the Heat is on, the Cole players. I already mentioned the Brewers. They were on my list. This one's kind of tough. I typed this before he got hurt. So Pete Alonzo, now you're hurt, but I'm going to put you on the heat is on first. And this is this. How about we get Francisco Lindor a break? Because he is far from the only Mets batter that's struggling. A quarter of the way through the season, Pete Alonso has 13 extra base hits, seven doubles and six home runs. This is a guy who the last time we saw a full season, so two years ago, his rookie season, he had 85 extra base hits. Now, the 260 average from that rookie season may very well be the high watermark that Pete Alonso ever puts up. I'm not sure he will ever get back, but in today's hitting climate, he's hitting 236. That's fine, right, if you're hitting for power, but he has a 433 slugging percentage. That is behind such amazing power hitters as Freddie Galvis and Adam Frazier, which good for those guys, great, good for you. Pete Alonso's 73rd, and it's probably unlucky. StatCast still has him in the top 3% in all the exit velocity, barrels, hard hit rate. I actually think that, like Lindor, it's probably an unlucky start. And should he get healthy, he could make a run at 35 home runs, but right now it isn't good. And I said, we talk only about Lindor, but Pete Alonso get healthy, and then they need you to start hitting too.
0: And then, uh, we, as we've seen, uh, as, as Miguel Sanoa has shown, all it takes is one week, and you can be back on track. So uh, hopefully healthy and then back doing the, the
1: same thing. Let's talk Tommy Fam. So here's his total for the year. 110 at-bats. I took this a couple days ago. It could have changed. One double. One home run, eight RBIs, three steals, and an 182 average. And it really isn't getting any better as it's 186 in May and 125 the last week. But that is when he did get his one home run. For a guy who always ran really high BABIPs with St. Louis and Tampa Bay, he has ran two really low BABIPs in his two seasons in San Diego. And not coincidentally, his average has suffered. Now, the law averages say it will rebound some, but it's probably like a 230 hitter. And the 20 home run power of years past is a pipe dream at this point. He's lucky if he'll get 15. And, and again, the it
0: can't be understated the stabbing that took place, uh, right? True. That he, is, he has mentioned how much that has impacted him. Uh, and I, yeah, I, that that's a, I th- this is the type of guy that you expect could resurface in a year or two all of a sudden with a resurgence, uh, just because it's going to take that type of stuff to get your, your body back fully the way it was. Uh, and, uh, but right now, if, if I I would never consider putting him on a fantasy team at
1: this point. (laughs) I don't have him on any, but yeah. Uh, I did have this guy last year. I don't have him this year, but Dylan Bundy. We talked Dylan Bundy last year. Extremely erratic this season. So he has five quality starts out of eight total starts. Doesn't sound too bad, right? But the other three starts, though, are five innings, five earned runs, and then his last two starts that he's made the last couple weeks here, three and a third innings, six earned, four innings, seven earned, It all adds up to he's now leading baseball in earned runs. He has a 602 ERA in his 43 innings. Now, his strand rate is 57%, which is absurdly low. That means basically uh, one out of two people who get on base against him score, and his 15% home run rate is a little too high, but he's also giving up way more fly balls than last season. Uh, I think his ERA will end up around four, which is where it was most seasons other than last year. And so he's... I think last year we probably. I think we were we were talking about him winning the Cy Young award because he started so well and the short season probably helped him. Oh, absolutely. I think he's just he is who he is at this point. He's a mid rotation rotation yep. arm, and for a guy that was a former top ten pick, it's not what the Orioles and now the Angels wanted. But he's good. He's not great.
0: And and here again, we expect positive regression uh, with uh, with that type of strand rate. That's going to improve. Things will settle down again. It's still very, very early. We're so used to the 60-game season uh, last year. Or two months into the season, uh, you're, you're getting ready for the, the final home stretch. You're in October mode, uh, or at least September mode uh, for that, right? So, uh, so it's a matter of getting back to recognizing there is still so much baseball left, so much time to get things uh, uh, solidified and rectified and turning in the right direction. So not worried about Dylan Bundy as far
1: as, Like, those type of career numbers. This last guy, I'd like to let it be known. I typed this last night. Tristan McKenzie, leading baseball in walks with 30, which is bad. But when you consider that he only has 31 innings, then it gets really bad. For example, Bauer leads baseball. He has 63 innings. So you're talking about leading baseball with only half the number of innings that you really could logistically have. Now, last season in 33 innings, that's the other thing, is we can basically look at last season's short sample and this season's short sample and say they're the same. McKenzie walked nine batters in 33 innings. Let me point out, 30 and 31 this year. So something's different here. Now, everything else is basically the same, but when you put that many extra base runners on base, suddenly you have a 689 ERA as compared to a 324 ERA. And it's getting worse. In 14 innings this month, he had walked 16 and allowed 16 earned runs. His individual starts two innings. Five earned runs, four walks. Five innings, no earned runs, four walks. And four and a third innings, five earned runs, three walks. And yesterday he walked five, gave up six earned runs, and three and a third. I said, at this point, I'm actually expecting Tristan McKenzie to get sent back to AAA for more seasoning, and I see it happen today. So I will take a sort of check mark on that one. You just have to believe me that I had that in my notes before it actually happened.
0: Yeah, that's uh, there have been a couple of situations of young players... Uh, big things uh, being counted on in major ways who are now back, uh, no longer in the majors right now, back in AAA. Keston Hira is one now, uh, Tristan McKenzie is another, and these were uh, players who have played key roles uh, in the majors last year. And teams uh, that made the playoffs. <laughs> absolutely. So this is a, uh, a challenge to the early season slump for both you wish them uh, the, the best in getting things turned around to back up doing what we've seen them already do at the major league level. The final one that I'll jump in here with is we've been talking players. I'm going to talk teams, uh, and and we'll bring back up. We'll essentially f- go full circle. We started with Brewers, Rays, went into the this process here, so we're going to talk both here to, as we wrap up. Uh, Rays uh, on an eight-game uh, winning streak, uh, tied in the seventh uh, uh, is where they're at right now, or going into the eighth, uh, to see if that streak continues or not. Uh, but here's a team that is ranked third in – uh, Major League Baseball uh, pitching ERA uh, for the month of May, they ranked third. Uh, they're getting uh, they couldn't get a runner home, a runner in scoring position to save their life uh, through the first like five weeks of the season. Uh, during this eight game streak, they're averaging between seven and nine runs a game. Uh, I think five different players now have hit two home runs in a game. Uh, so it's everyone is uh, doing everything. This is the, the type of uh, perfect uh, amalgamation of uh, events uh, going in your in your favor. Uh, even to lucky bounces, one that would hit a uh, a bag that should have been an out and then going nice. off ricocheting and getting a double out of it. Everything is going the Rays' way right now. Uh, but things have solidified in Tampa Bay. Here's a team that we said, you know, like, hey, they're scuffling. Can they... Uh, With all the off-season trades and challenges and things that were there, can they get back to being the best team in the American League? Uh, Not worried about that anymore. Uh, They are, everything is uh, for Simpson fans, everything is turning up Milhouse. Uh, That's what's going on in Tampa Bay right now. The pitching staff is good. Rich Hill, (laughs) you have to love Rich Hill at age 41 on a very young team. Uh, Still hasn't given up a run in May, I believe. I think that's where we're at. Nice. Uh, And uh, the bullpen is starting to solidify key players coming up that this trade is going to help them uh, with that offense is turning around. And then again, most of their uh, mid season acquisitions besides this trade that took place is going to happen from within. You have Vidal Brujan, uh, you have Wander Franco. Uh, these guys are going to be coming up uh, even more. Brent Honeywell has been going back and forth. He's back up with the club right now. Uh, they have a wealth of prospects that are at AAA and able to come up and, uh, uh, help the big league club as things move on. Uh, they are within a game of first uh, of first place in the AL East again. So it's it's back up where you expected them to be. Uh, they have been hitting on all cylinders uh, in more ways than one. The Brewers, we talked about when we flipped from the on the heater to the heat is on, an offense that, like we said, it'd be one thing if they had the Rays uh, farm system. Like in AAA, you're waiting, okay, these guys are going to come up. Here's help on the horizon other than Keston Hira figuring it out and coming coming back, there's nothing else. Uh, there's no one else to say, here's what we're waiting on. Uh, obviously, Christian Yelich being fully healthy and showing MVP form, that's the other key thing that you're looking at there. But there's nothing else that's coming in the pipeline. Uh, and you, the all the players that were added for the Brewers have major swing and miss in their game. So from who they've added and who's on the team, so it isn't like there's a people hitting differently uh, that is uh, like you expect them to round into form. That's not what this team is. So we talked about what's the silver lining. The silver lining is this. Uh, no matter who's available at the trade deadline, it'll be a match for the for the brewers. You can make almost any person available work for you and how you can move people around to do that. Uh, so, and almost anyone available that you get is going to be an upgrade <laughs> over what you have. So, this is the team that has the best opportunity to actually make improvements that will greatly impact the team at the trading deadline. With the pitching that they have, you just need an offense that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes it easier to acquire uh p- players that can be difference makers in the second half of the season so I'm still not worried about the playoff hopes for the Milwaukee Brewers because you're going to find people yet whether it's a half season rental whether it's someone who's more more uh, more team control there's enough stuff here that can be added Willie Adamas is only one of I'm betting there'll be at least two more bats that will be added to this team by the trading deadline in one which way shape or form I think your team just took the lead
1: I'm uh, not opposed to that. Okay, just so you know. I think your team just took the lead. Congratulations. <laughs> and the, as, I'm, yes. I'm waiting for confirmation. Okay. to replay right now. Ask as the Brewers. As you said, yeah, the Rays have been playing good. Uh, there's been some really good teams the last, when we get to the, some division previews here. Some of the teams are really starting to solidify. I think San Diego's on a seven or eight game winning streak themselves. The Dodgers have won five in a row. San Francisco's won. I think they won seven in a row until they lost. And like you said, your team won eight, but... The Yankees have won six, and the Red Sox have won four, I think. So, yeah, the AL East is getting real strong, too. A, a renowned
0: uh, Twitter enthusiast for the the Red Sox, Jared uh, Karabas, if that's, mm-hmm. what I'm saying his name right, uh, pointed out that uh, uh, most teams or most divisions only have one team with a plus uh, uh, run differential uh, that is uh, uh, on it. Uh, the, the AL East has four. Yeah, uh, yeah. So
1: this is a uh as you expect. Team. Uh, the AL Beast uh, is back. Even Baltimore, man, I'm telling you, Baltimore's not bad. But we'll get to them. We'll get to the we'll get the division stuff here. Where should we go now? So uh, when we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, we and we
0: recapped uh, the the trade. We've had a chance to take a look at the, the teams that have been surging, teams struggling. Give a little bit of uh, home coverage to the Milwaukee Brewers when we come back. I want to talk gonna, Tony Larusa. We're talking Tony La Russa, we're talking Sticky Situation, we're talking uh, MLB Draft Names to Know, coming up next.
1: Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. You it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see people today have attention spans that can
0: only be measured in nanoseconds. I'll be honest with you, I love his music. I do, I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! were one of the first ones on this uh, podcast uh, and in baseball period to uh, say that the La Russa hiring was going to lead to theatrics. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. Uh, and it is, there's been some peculiar things that have happened so far, some little things that are there. You scratch your head, but whatever. It has finally led to an eruption uh, this and uh, the last week As a take was made and a doubling down on that take, which made it that much more astounding, I saw on Twitter this caused a ripple effect of players all over the league voicing their opinion publicly. Uh, about everything that ensued, so that 's the the context surrounding this why don't you break down what exactly happened? why has uh have we finally gotten to this moment and we 'll talk about the uh our thoughts on uh the man the myth, the
1: legend uh, do you know who I am
0: Tony yeah, Lausa you know who
1: I Tony La Russa and his respect for everything as he's getting drunk driving anyways Tony La Russa, Monday night and the Chicago White Sox played the Minnesota twins, and it was. A blowout, which we're seeing a lot of blowouts in baseball. It's either low scoring or one team scores a lot and the other team doesn't score. I don't remember the score, but we're in the seventh inning or the eighth inning. is is late. And the Twins sent in Williams, Austadio to pitch, who is a catcher, first baseman, third baseman type. And uh, The White Sox are up, I don't know, 14 runs, something like that. It's the the white flag moment. You're not going to burn another uh, arm in the bullpen. You're bringing in a position player just to to get through and finish the game. Ehrman Mercedes, you may remember Ehrman Mercedes from the first week where he was a 28-year-old journeyman quad A player who started off on fire, and I think he's still leading baseball in batting average. It's been a little worse lately, but still leading baseball on batting average, so great job. you Mercedes. You're probably going to, you're tracking to win the rookie of the year, and your odds are probably a million to one, and you're looking great. So, it is a 3-0 count. Williams-Ostedio is at 3-0 against him, and here's where, we're not really sure. Maybe Larusa did give the, the, he probably did, because that is the way he is. He told him not to swing, and Urban Mercedes, I didn't see the sign, ignored him. I don't know. He got a 48 or something mile an hour pitch, and he hit it 450 feet. And he celebrated, as I would too if I hit a home run like that. And I don't know if the Twins really had a gripe. I don't know that. We'll get to them in a second. But whatever reason, Tony La Russa then basically said, you don't do that. You know, I'm the, I'm Mr. Baseball. Everybody should listen to me. Look, I'm in the Hall of Fame. I have multiple World Series titles. It's against the unwritten rules. Throwing his own guy under the bus, right? Not standing up for him. Throwing his own guy under the bus that he needs to be taught a lesson. Which... So there's there's two
0: halves here. So the first half of him saying he uh, ignored, a, a sign was down uh, can, and, and did that. That's one thing to, to call a player out publicly there. And we'll, we'll even, so there's multiple issues. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Let's take a look at the aftermath
1: that, that took place as well. Okay, so he said, you know, he needs to be taught a lesson. He used some weird language. And the next day, Tyler Duffy, the Twins relief pitcher, threw a pitch behind yearman mercedes and la Russa seemed fine with it like i saw people saying like oh he's gonna because tyler duffy got suspended three games as he should and i saw people on twitter saying oh he's gonna suspect tony la Russa will appeal the suspension for duffy like for his own he, the problem is right tony la Russa has no respect in his own clubhouse i'm actually amazed as we're doing this podcast that he's still the manager of the white Sox because Lance Lynn said, you know, we're all back in Mercedes here. Tim Anderson said, we, we back Yerman Mercedes here. Like we are all in like when it comes down to, I've seen people say like when it comes down to arbitration for a guy who's 28 needing a big contract, guess what they're going to look at his home runs. Guess what they're not going to do with Williams as the deal. Look up how many home runs he gave up as a pitcher, like get yours. I get it. Get yours
0: so there's so many things here
1: to that is coming
0: to a head right and and baseball's been heading this way for the last 1 to 2 years this growing gripe over the quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball and We're closer to a generation that's saying enough is enough. Either it's a rule or it's not. There's no such thing as unwritten. No reason for someone to be judging what someone else is doing. Again, I prefer the Trevor Bauer method. If you want to showboat, as long as you are fine, uh, you can dish it out. As long as you can take it back, then there's no problem here. And so that's where things need to go. The unwritten rules need to go. And I'm someone who's been a baseball purist, traditionalist, everything within it. But the the baseball uh, unwritten rules need to go. That's first and foremost. Now, that's that preference aside. Going back to the original, what happened? uh, It's not the swing on the 3 0 that uh, I have an issue with there because, again, there's the you play to the whistle, right? Now that's oh, always not over. over. The game's not over. It's there, and you are paid based upon your production. So no, I'm not going to waste an at bat. It's hard enough to get a hit as it is. So I don't care what it is. If you haven't gotten me out, then you need to actually uh, get me out. I have the right to swing. That part, no problem with that. that's the unwritten rule crap. I disagree with that strongly. So that also means the Minnesota's reaction to it. I'm completely. You put him out. Garbage. There. You garbage. put him Minnesota. out there. Minnesota. So
1: At that for, point.
0: for Rocco Baldelli afterwards to uh, and then try to defend it afterwards, no, you deserve to be suspended. And, again, baseball needs to come out stronger on this crap. There's no reason for this to be happening. I'll Minnesota. go back to what Joe Mann has said before. I love his catchphrase the, 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 a couple years ago in spring training, try not to
1: suck. Yep. You don't want him hitting a 3-0 pitch like that. Try not to suck. Don't go down 14-1. right. You got straight up. Kids cover you got your ass kicked like you got destroyed by the team in your division and you look terrible we've talked about how bad minnesota looks win some games dude you want to talk win some games you got killed What's- i don't want to hear it and here's i want to bring this up so we are at a point now where we have seven inning double headers we have runners on second to start overtime are we to the point now where we can just say if the manager agrees you're down 10 runs after I don't know, seven innings we literally have a major league mercy rule because otherwise What are we doing with all these? It is every night. It used to be kind of a novelty, right? You'd see a a position player pitch once every, I don't know, month, now it's every week you see three, four games that we see position players pitching. The only reason why I'm not in favor
0: of that at the major league level is because this is how players get paid. And mm-hmm. so if this is a chance to get, especially you get your funk, you get over 30 stretches, everything within it. So when you have this going on, you deserve to pad the stats. That's how baseball so balances itself the,
1: out. They get screwed with the seven-inning doubleheaders, right? They lose yeah. four innings. Yeah.
0: Another another at-bat that you could have potentially done something with. I, I fully understand that what i uh, what i also don't like is i'm and this is why i'm i'm against the unwritten rules i'm tired of the baseball hypocrisy this is a sport that has been built throughout the generations on cheating on absolute cheating in every which way is possible to be done from fixing games to corked bats to steroids to now, uh, and we'll get into this with the sticky situation You're putting you, dude. crap onto the onto the ball like You are built, the only sport that is this much built on cheating, don't get into your shorts about how, oh, this guy hit a 3-0 pitch. Are you kidding me? Fix yourself before you go into any of this garbage about unwritten rules. You have a massive cheating problem again, and you don't know how to deal with it. And we know that Rob Manfred ain't going to deal with anything, so I'm tired of this unwritten rule crap. That's number one. Now, the only defense that I gave of Larusa. Was if you actually did call a no swing on a three zero pitch, whether a batter likes it or not, it's his call. Yeah, he's the manager. Uh, and, and so if you blow off that uh, uh, that sign and you decide to swing away, you deserve whatever comes to you as far as disciplinary action within your own team. Okay, there, that's the key that's, point, right? And and that ends it there, right? For this, that's a fine. That's whatever that is, or you're sat down for a, a game, whatever that's chosen there. But sure. that manager cannot, cannot, cannot openly state you were fine with your player potentially getting hit and hurt. Are you kidding me? I would. I'm surprised Tim Anderson didn't go to the the GM. Everyone will say we will not play another game. We will forfeit the next game. We will forfeit however many games that he stays as manager because that's something that you
1: can't tolerate. Rant over. I. I. Can't believe he's still the manager. I'm shocked that he's still the manager. They have to admit at this point that they made the wrong. Like I don't know how you can't say that you made the wrong choice and try and see it's if Rick Renteria. I like get Rick <laughs> Renteria back. He was great for you, and the team would be better without him. But yeah, Larusa not having his players back. If 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 he hits the home run and Larusa doesn't say anything, is it an issue? Probably not. Like it is still for the twins. So that's, for the twins part, yeah. it is. Yeah, for the twins. I meant for the like specifically the Larusa stuff with the White Sox. If he doesn't he made it anything, a story. it. he makes. Yeah, absolutely. Like bringing it out in public, and me and you know, I've had some issues with personally issues in my own life with a uh, boss and maybe sharing things that he shouldn't have. And if, if I could have gotten to the soundboard of the crickets, <laughs> I would have hit the button. I, I didn't right know exactly there. where to say it. So, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, you cannot say some of that stuff out in public, and it has to be an internal thing. And professional handles it in house. Exactly. There we go. Let's go to the. Should we go to the other issues in baseball?
0: Yeah, let's let's at least just on that note uh, with everything. uh, Like I said, it's I'm impressed by the White Sox players for like they're they're going to voice their opinion, but they haven't. It hasn't reached that Hmm. full explosion. Like we have the uh, we have the volcano La Russa erupted. I'm waiting, as we've already just said here. Eventually, the clubhouse eruption is going to take place, and they're they're going to mutiny. Like, this is heading sp- for a collision course. It's just a matter of
1: when. I've said before, they're winning in spite of Tony La Russa. They're still a very good team, right? But it is certainly not due to management. He is kind of rallying the team together as kind of the, the
0: heel within the own clubhouse, the, the whole thing, to go out and just do this and fight for each other in, in a weird way. The players are They've rallying around against him. Yeah, I, th- that's what's happening right now, uh, and it's uh, giving them the motivation they need. But that only works short term. Like, think of the we just had the the document uh, docu series that came out in the, the middle of, of COVID with the Michael Jordan Bulls and everything, and you all the theatrics and the the off the field issues with the the front office and the uh, the stress and everything going on there. They held it together for one year. You can't do that long term. The question is, even with Larusa, can you do it for a full year? Uh, but even then, like this will head for a collision course one way or another. Because as stubborn as Larusa is, so is Jerry Reinsdorf, and the players are eventually going to snap at this, and it's going to cause a massive uh, situation. We'll just say, "I told you so." When it happens, but let's get into that sticky situation again. It's been going around. Big article came out towards the end of the week of. Uh, uh, for one player getting his first hit, they tossed the ball around the clubhouse afterwards, and all the players were amazed at just how sticky the mm. ball was. The it used to be again a little bit of something on your on your hat to just get a little bit of uh, more control on the on the fingers. Uh, a little bit of stuff would be on a pitcher's hand within it, and if it ever was the major stain on the cap, where you could blatantly tell if you went too blatant another manager would call it out, a nump would come out and see it, and they would take you out of the game. Like That's how that would work. Now, no one is doing that. It has gotten far beyond that, uh, and the year of the pitcher is being aided by the year of the cheat, uh, as it happens always in this sport. And instead of the, the batters had the last hurrah on that one, now it's the pitchers with this. So first, your thoughts on the
1: whole sticky situation well, if Major League Baseball would enforce their own rules, it would be great, right? Like, you have a rule that says we you cannot add substances to the ball. Since the days of the spitball, but you see Madison Bumgarner gra- grabbing in his crotch area where he's got stuff sticking to his pants and all these other people where it's just, like, not all that hard to watch. You can watch the game and you can watch him add grip to the ball. So, yeah, it's um, Ken Rosenthal and Britt Giroli. I listened to Britt Giroli. She's on the, the – rates and barrels podcast, which I listen to, which is great with Eno Saris. And she was talking about how many times she's talking to people and they're saying like, why don't they just give us a tackier baseball? And we've seen them switch the baseball, I don't know, 20 times in the last 10 years or whatever, just make a t- tackier baseball. And we hopefully wouldn't need all this. Here's the
0: concern that I understand or say that needs to be resolved or figured out. You have pitchers who are throwing much harder than ever before. We mentioned at the, at the beginning of the season how the miles per hour is up across the league. Uh, you're throwing that high; you need to be able to control it, and, and that's that's the concern within this. You take that away, do we have more people getting hit? Uh, we already saw Kev, uh,
1: Kevin Paul. We already have this
0: issue a situation there. Uh, we had Bryce Harper who just missed within yeah. that. So we've already had some huge. Uh, problems right here, there is going to be a safety concern uh, within this. Now, again, it still goes back to if you can't control it, you can't pitch it. Then you need to slow it down if you can't actually do it there. So we have multiple layers going on here that needs to be resolved, but it can't be. And and again, things have now boiled over to the public, which means this has already been talked about in league circles For enough time, I guarantee you players have voiced concerns internally already. So now they're left with the next recourse of making it public, and going uh, and letting it brew within the, the the media and seeing what happens there. So we've reached kind of the end of this situation where now we have to wait to see
1: what solutions come from it. Remember, we were gonna, we heard, oh, we're gonna take out all these balls if we see anything on them. All we heard that like right before the season started, it was. Yeah, big well, spin rate. from everything Remember that? Right? it was going to be oh if we see these spin rate bumps and we're going to take all these baseballs out of the game and here we are we can literally watch the ball be doctored on the screen I can see it like you can see it happening these guys are touching spots all over th- going to their glove every time you know they're adding stuff to the ball and we I don't see hardly any balls being taken out I saw it once with a Trevor Bauer start and I don't think I don't know if they didn't find anything or whatever who knows I'm sure he's found a way like Just make the ball safer. You want to make a tackier? I'm fine with that. Make a tackier. But when you have all these guys adding things to the ball and making it, so the ball, like you said, we're already in the era of the pitcher right here, and maybe part of it is because this ball is, they have such an advantage with it. So something needs to be done. I'm sure that the union will look into, this could be something that you talk about in the offseason with negotiating. Yep, 100%. That would be something I would actually expect to see happen.
0: So let's get into the, the next uh, article. And the last article that we have highlighted for this week
1: is uh, – was this Keith, Keith Law? Who had that this was Corey Peeper, who's taking and combining <laughs> MLB.com, Keith Law, Prospects Live, and Fangraphs. So those are – there's, like, no universal consensus after the top four. But I picked 10 guys that are all considered first-round talents. I write MLB.com, Keith Law's board, Prospects Live – fan graphs, and then I went to Lookout Landing for some player comps just to try to help that out, and I compiled them all together into my notes here. I watched some. I haven't watched all these guys, but I just wanted to give you a quick... Name. Can you figure look up what day the draft is? I do not remember what day it is. I know it's a little later this year, but this is just a quick idea to keep these 10 names in mind. So, is some shortstops at the top, and pitchers. Those are... And a couple of catching prospects, actually. So, I tried to combine first-round pick options, but... The top prospect on almost all their boards was Jordan Lawler. He's a shortstop from Jesuit College Prep School of Dallas. Six foot one, 170 pounds. Here's different words. I just took different phrases from all of them. Right-handed, five-tool prospect who at only 18, he'll turn 19 a week after the draft, has shown an advanced approach at the plate. He is a Vanderbilt recruit, so you you have to be willing to pay him. And it sounds like he has a really good chance to go number one overall to the Pirates. The comparisons I saw to him were Bobby Witt Jr., who you remember was possibly going to get the call from, I think it was single A all the way to the big leagues. We have not seen him yet. And Xander Bogarts. So all-star shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. Trust me, the Pittsburgh Pirates could really use a player like that. Oh, there's our 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 Pittsburgh positive of the the number one pick Pittsburgh. uh, Here's a player to uh, keep on your radar. Let's lump these two together. These guys have come up on the podcast before. So numbers two and three are both right-handed pitchers from Vanderbilt. Jack Leiter is two, six foot one, 195 pounds. He's 21 years old. He is one of the players I have definitely seen play. He has a very big fastball, which I have just put as 95 plus, and two off-speed plus off-speed pitches already: a curve and a slider. A month ago, he was far and away the top prospect, but a couple of rough SEC starts. He gave up eight home runs and 10 walks in 15 innings, and Vanderbilt said they're going to start monitoring his innings a little bit. So the comp you see for him is more advanced Sonny Gray, who is also a Vanderbilt player, and Kumar Rocker, won most outstanding player at College World Series in 2019. So last year there was no College World Series, so he won that award in 2019. He, that included a 19-strikeout no-hitter in the Super Regionals. He has two-plus pitches with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and what said a devastating slider in that 19-strikeout game. It said all 19-strikeouts were with that slider, so and he has the build where I mentioned they're going to limit the innings with Jack Leiter. Uh, Rocker has thrown, they say he can go hundred, like 200 innings pretty easily. He's had multiple games this season at Vanderbilt, over 130 pitches. So that's asking a lot out of a young arm, but the only thing you see is he needs to improve his command and his consistency, and the comps are another Vanderbilt pitcher, which is your guy, David Price.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's been fun watching some of those big college pitchers have been uh, the earliest ones to think about.
1: Another shortstop prospect, high school guy, Marcelo Meyer, shortstop from Eastlake. So 6'3", 180. He bats lefty. He throws righty. Advanced approach to hitting with a good bat-to-ball skills. It said he could spray the ball to all fields. Not as much speed as Jordan Lawler or, like, the upside, but he has enough speed if he wants to. He can stay it short. He has committed to USC. It said he has like a Corey Seager-like offensive profile where he can hit the ball to all fields, but Seager is not a great defender, and it said he's more of a Brandon Crawford-level defender, so good players there for sure. Let's talk a catcher. This is Keith Law's top player. so Henry Davis, catcher out of Louisville, 6'2", 195 pounds, 21 years old, right-handed. And it said, unconventional swing, but manages the strike zone well and takes his walks. Keith Law's quote is he has power, patience, and bat control. 70-grade arm strength. He threw out one-third of all the base dealers against him. Can stay behind the plate, but it also said he had the athleticism of third or corner outfield spot. So every, this one, it seemed, everybody said, like, safe, which is not the case with a lot of college bats in this draft. The easy comparison, it said, was Will Smith, who's a catcher at Louisville, but also Wilson Contreras, just because he's got that type of athleticism who played catcher but moved to outfield at times and can play catcher too. Let's do a high school pitcher. Jackson Job, which is a cool name. Right. Right Right-handed pitcher from Heritage Hills High School. 6'2", 180 at 18 years old. So this is what it says. Extremely advanced high school pitching prospect. Think of like Dylan Bundy when he was in the minor leagues. He has a fastball in in the low 90s. And here's the impressive thing. He has the top slider in this class. It has, on average, three thousand RPMs, which we don't talk about pitching RPMs, but that's like pitcher spin rate. That'd the be max like uh, two hundred one or three hundred one of our uh, tutorials. <laughs> like for example, the max spin rate that we've seen on a slider in the big leagues this year is twenty nine hundred and seventy three. He's already throwing a spin rate that's been up as high as thirty three hundred, according to scouts. So he would have the most like bite on his slider of any major league pitcher if that's true. And it says is a usable changeup, a developing curveball. He's also considered a shortstop prospect with batting potential. He's signed to go to Ole Miss where they want him to play both ways. So said he's got a little bit of a funky delivery, which coaches are worried messes with some of his uh, – they don't want to mess with his weird delivery because when you already have a slider like that, you don't want to mess it up. So the quote was, best mix of current stuff and projectability of the tongue, the top arms. That's from Prospects Live. A lot of people said like Michael Pineda levels of pitcher right there. Ray House is a third baseman from high school, Winder Barrow High School, 6'3", 200, 18 years old. He was the top high school prospect a year ago, but struggles in the summer. Uh, Been better this spring, sized to be a big-time power hitter, but that's led to some of his struggles because big guys had have big swings. And so he went back to what made him successful, it sounded like, shortened his swing a little bit, and just focused on hitting the mistake pitches. Uh, He plays shortstop right now. It seems more likely to be a third baseman. It said, more athletic Joey Gallo. Or Matt Chapman or even Chris Bryant. So if you got any of those guys, you'd be happy, right? Absolutely. Here's the big, like, leadoff guy, and I shouldn't say big because he's the smallest guy on here. Sal Freelich, off outfielder, second base, 5'10", 175 pounds, 21 years old. Bats lefty, throws righty. Undersized but athletic. He was the Gatorade player of the year at a quarterback a few years ago in high school, and now he's playing outfielder. So everything had strong on-base skills, defense, easy speed, Prototypical leadoff hitter, could develop more power, but right now he's just going to spray it all over. Uh, Adam Eaton, Brian Roberts, those types of players, a little smaller, undersized, but can spray the ball into the gaps. Ty Madden, pitcher, Texas, 6'3", 221 years old, mid-90s fastball that sinks, and a slider that's effective enough. He has the changeup, it said, but like some people said it was really ineffective because he like drops his arm slot so people know it's coming. And that's the Tyler Glasnow move. <laughs> has a curveball that needs refinement. And apparently he's added like 35 pounds. And I said if he got the changeup figured out, he could come really quickly because his other two pitches are really good. And if not, he's probably a bullpen arm and could be like the best bullpen arm in this class because two really plus really plus pitches. And the last one I have is another catcher, Adrian Del Castillo, which once again I picked because he has a cool name. Uh, catcher from Miami, 5'11", 205, 21 years old. Bats lefty, throws ready, a 995 OPS as a freshman and a 1,025 OPS as a sophomore. But he's been a little down this spring, but I think people have said, like, he's already showed he can hit, so they're not too worried about that. He has more walks and strikeouts his first couple years. He showed power. He's had 14 homers and just 350 plate appearances. All the defensive skills are questions, and it could force him to first instead of catcher. If he's a first baseman, he keeps hitting. He has to keep hitting, like, those first two years. Whereas your catcher, you're great, right? He's played third, it said, in the corner outfield spots at Miami just to keep his bat in the lineup. Kyle Schwarber is the guy who gets compared to him. He was also a catcher in, I think, college and was picked, I think, fourth overall, which was kind of a surprise, but great bat, right? So those are 10 names to know. I will, when it gets a little closer and it gets solidified, I will do like 10 projected early picks.
0: <laughs> the uh, MLB draft takes place July 11th through the
1: 13th this year. Okay. I I knew it was a little later because usually it's like right after summer starts. I remember it would always be in June. So about a little later.
0: About this uh about the same dates but in June. So it feels yeah. like a full month uh that is uh that is backed up there. Which is kind of, to be honest, I'd rather it be that way. Uh now I don't know if this is part of their remember their their minor league reconfiguration to have uh a time for these bats that are gonna eventually be or the, and, and also pitchers, uh to be uh uh in like a, the, I forget the, almost like the Cape Cod League, what it used to be for it, but to be the path to the draft uh, type of a, a summer league going on within it. I think I wonder if this is all part of that reconfiguration to actually give that time, uh, so you can have these players that are being hyped and being talked about this way. Now you can go watch them uh, in this Cape Cod League uh, leading up to the to the draft. So we'll see how that uh, emerges. Uh, but we will take a peek at, speaking of things that are emerging, we have player, uh, teams that are rising to the top, others that are falling. Uh, we have a little bit more clarification a uh, quarter of the way through the Major League Baseball season. What is the status of our division-by-division division, uh, teams, and where are teams excited for where they are, improvements to be made, uh, things that are surprises, disappointments? Let's dive in division-by-division. Uh, division. Where would you like us to start? We always start with the ALE, so let's start on the NL West. Let's do it. Let's go NL West. And so there's the, we have the reigning uh, World Series champions. We have one of the more exciting young teams in the uh, in the entire uh, league, in the, the Padres. We have Buster Posey uh, finding the Fountain of Youth with the uh, San Francisco Giants along with Evan Longoria. And then you have the uh, Diamondbacks and... Rockies that are in the midst of, with some of it's injury-related,
1: other parts is uh, trade-related, and in middle of rebuilds. Well, the surprise is easy here, right? Because we thought it was a two-team race, and that was going to be the Dodgers and the Padres, with the Dodgers probably pacing that group. But the Dodgers are really hurt. We've talked about that. So they're actually, I think they're winning right now, but it's basically a three-way tie. And San Francisco just keeps finding a way to be competitive we've talked about their pitching on this podcast a few times they found Alex Wood and Anthony DiSclefani and like you said Buster Posey Brandon Crawford's having tracking towards having a career year for them and that is clearly the biggest surprise it's just the fact that they are it is a three-team race right now it is not a two-team race and,
0: like I said, I'm just thankful to see Buster Posey hit, hitting like this again, being the I – mean, this was a perennial MVP candidate, uh, then got injured, and then this hasn't been the the same. So it's nice to see him showing some uh, flashes uh, and seeing, again, a three-team uh, race indeed. So San Francisco is definitely a surprise. What's
1: the disappointment? Can I tell a player? Yeah. So the Dodgers have had a million injuries, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, but – Mookie Betts has just been okay for them. It's been a lot of the pitching. Mookie Betts has not been the Mookie Betts that we're used to. I think he's hitting about 250 right now, and that's fine, right? In today's day and age, it's not bad, but they pay Mookie Betts a lot of money, and without Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager, they need him to be the former MVP Mookie Betts, not the pretty good Mookie Betts. Also, big surprise out there, I should mention. Albert Pools best cleanup for the Dodgers, so did not see that one coming and has looked like the
0: vintage Albert Pujols uh, a little bit here. Again, flash in the pan. Uh, just nice to see any any flash uh, from him there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hitting a home run for them, batting cleanup. Because uh, everyone expected that one, right? That's awesome. So, yeah, they, uh, the Dodgers have been scuffling. They've dealt with injuries. they dealt with some guys not being at the, the level that they've seen them at. And if this is a scuffling Dodgers team, at twenty-eight and eighteen, uh before they turn on the after Jets. It's they're nice a really that they're, good team. It's nice that they're allowing other teams to compete with them right now and keep it close. So they're being gracious at this point. We'll see how that goes. We move to the NL Central. Uh and there uh again we have uh the Nolan Arenado Cardinals leading the way at twenty-six and nineteen. Uh, And you have uh, two teams in striking distance of 500 with the Cubs and Brewers. And the Reds are four games under 500. And then, of course, Pittsburgh at the bottom
1: of the barrel. Once again, this division, actually these next two divisions, are looking kind of mediocre, but the Cardinals are getting by. The Cardinals are the biggest surprise, I think. We thought they'd be good, but Nolan Arenado doing what we said he'd do. Good hitters hit. Maybe a little higher average than I thought he would have outside of Coors Field, but it's their bullpen. Their bullpen is really good in St. Louis. Giovanni Gallegos, uh, Alex Reyes, those guys have been really good in the back of their bullpen, and so that's probably my biggest surprise. I guess since we both picked them, the biggest disappointment has to be Milwaukee so far. They were, I think, eight games they got above five hundred. They have been very much scuffling. We've already went over that, but that has to be the biggest disappointment. Their their offense has to be better.
0: The... uh Cardinals offense was terrible last year uh, and it is at least it has gotten up to average and that's, that's good what the Brewers enough. need
1: yep. that's what the Brewers need
0: and that's exactly exactly it uh, they've gotten up to average and with their pitching uh, they're giving up the least amount of runs in the uh, NL Central right now one of the better uh, teams pitching wise that way uh, and uh, that's doing everything they need it to do I'm going to pick a different disappointment though because I had them hyped last year I mean we both did but the Reds have never been able to put it together. What we thought they could be, we saw their pitching in the same way, thought that would have a chance to be there. Luis Castillo is still kind of not at the level that he's been. Uh, this is a team that I mean, you thought they would have a, a bigger rise or opportunity, but it has never materialized. Uh, and so I think that's kind of my, my disappointment there. But yeah, the Brewer offense
1: is, is a category unto itself too. Maybe they can have a stretch like your team's having where they score some runs.
0: That's that's what's <laughs> needed right there. Let's go to the uh, NL East. Yeah.
1: And I'm going to just, before you make your rundown, I'm going to say the entire league is a disappointment in the fact that they're all just, like we said, this should be the most competitive vision. And it's competitive because they're all looking kind of mediocre right now.
0: There is no one that, I can at least say the Mets have the best excuse of how many injuries they have had. Uh, I'll give them at least the, the the basic thin margin of an excuse because they're still 21 and 18 despite all of the injuries uh, that are there. Everyone else I don't get. Uh, you have Philadelphia at 22 and 23, Atlanta at 22 and 24, Miami at 21 and 24, Washington at 19 and 23. This is the most bleh division in all of baseball when it should have been the most competitive one. So I suppose if there's been a a prediction that I've had wrong so far, especially uh, it has been this division has been, instead of being the best division, it represents the NL Central from 2020.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of meh. That's a good word for it. Like you said, the Mets have an excuse. All the injuries are there, and Lindor is the one, a healthy one there, and he's really cold, as we've talked about a few times. So Philly... I don't get Philly at all because their bullpen is last year, right? We bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. It's okay now. It's not great. It's not bad though. And you cannot ask for any more out of Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and even Zach Eflin has been great for him. So back end of the rotation, sure. The Braves is we we thought they put in all this effort in their pitching. And Morton's just been kinda okay. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of bad luck. And Drew Smiley's just been kind of okay. He's been better lately. And Mike Soroka, guess what? We just said it earlier. Not coming back. You Hi, Oscar you know what? Idiot. Breaks his hand, right? So guess what? They're pitching. Eh, still not really there. Their offense the other night blew up for, I think, 20 runs against Pittsburgh. So congratulations. You you murdered Pittsburgh. Also, uh, position players pitched in that game. But um, I still don't really doubt their offense. I know they're in third right now. It's really close because all the teams are kind of me- mediocre. I know you picked them to miss the playoffs. I picked the Mets to miss the playoffs. We both picked Philly to make it. There's a lot of season left in that division. There's a lot of season left, so that's, that's we'll see it. where that one stands at the end.
0: Uh, any so, and we said disappointment, but what's the what's the surprise? Is there a player? Is there a, uh, a situation? Is there anything there that you would call a surprise in the uh, the NL East?
1: How about that? We haven't seen Sixto Sanchez yet. That was yeah. supposed to be like a two weeks, three weeks, and last I heard, he was just throwing long toss, so I didn't think Miami... I think we both thought Miami last year took advantage of the 60-game season, which is fine and good for them. They, they did great. They still have some good pitching. It's still a team rebuilding, but where is Sixto Sanchez? He was close not that long ago, we heard, or not that long ago, he was supposed to be close to coming back, and... We're at the end of May, and it doesn't sound very good. Actually, I can throw Carlos Carrasco into that. That was another one. Oh, not that long. At this point, it sounds like Thor. Sorry, Noah Syndergaard is going to be back before Carlos Carrasco. So where are these guys? Steven Strasburg is pitching. That's when you know that you need to be out there.
0: <laughs> that is quite true. That is that is the uh, defining statement. We'll, we'll uh, uh, keep an eye on that MIA as we uh, make our way into the al West and we take a look again I believe I was the one who also wrote off Oakland is done uh, within this and they continue to do Oakland things uh, 27 and 19 leading the way uh, at the top of the al West Houston uh, fully back that one we said uh, 26 and 20 uh the Mariners are lurking at twenty-one and twenty-four. Have shown some promise and just called up their big-time prospect, uh, Jared Kalenic, in the last uh, uh, week or so here. And then you have Texas at twenty-one and twenty-seven, and the uh, Angels at nineteen and twenty-six. Uh, well, I can tell
1: you the disappointing team is. How do you have Shohei Otani, the the best player in baseball? like said, the, the two best players yes, in baseball, play on the this. same team? Keep going. You're and going and great you here.
0: Have they haven't. Uh, is it Jared Walsh? There's another. Like, Jared amazing. Walsh has been great. They for him. have yes. like three. Anthony right now, In the first, uh, in the first two months of the season, they have three of maybe the best twenty five players in Major League Baseball right now, and they Plus still have one Randall. of the worst, the uh, one of the worst records in Major League Baseball. How do you pull that one off? Uh, well, at least Mike Trout has someone else to share in his sympathy of being otherworldly and his entire team stinking and not being able to get them a uh, a win to save their life. Uh, but a negative 47 run differential. Seriously, that is, if I'm pulling this up together here. Let me
1: guess. Once again, they have allowed the most runs, right? Because as usual, they're pitching. What do you know? We said, hey, Wyatt, instead of, why don't you put some money on Trevor Bauer or something like that? And they added Jose Quintana, which, eh. And they added Alex Cobb, which, eh, like, I'll give him a, eh, like, it's not a, eh, but we knew what the, there's a team, they knew what their problem was. They had to know what their problem was. They put it towards the bullpen, which is fine, but it was really your starting pitching. And guess what? It still stinks.
0: And that is, that is one that, uh, I, they put some, they had to pay something for Alex Cobb. They had to pay something for Jose Quintana. Not a lot, but I would rather put that money into one guy. And then write out, even if it's a minor league or journeyman, like you can still do a twice through the order and have some like do do something there to at least get more quality versus you're you're buying a bunch of uh two dollar scratch off tickets and you're surprised that you're not winning a hundred bucks off of this. Like it's it, it yeah, it just their philosophy doesn't make sense. Uh, and they are wasting some of the best baseball we have ever seen in a generational player and then someone who hasn't done a hitting and pitching thing like this since Babe Friggin' Ruth, and you still can't do anything with it. It is uh, amazing.
1: I guess the biggest surprise, if we're going to switch to surprise, would be just how good Houston's really been, even though they're in second place. We know Oakland had that amazing stretch, right? But otherwise, it's been not great, but they had that great stretch, which is, you know, can't take it away from it. It all counts the same. But Houston, you picked them to win it all. I think they are probably one of the more likely teams to do so. And... They look like a team that said, you know what, we're gonna show everybody that we don't need you to give us the signs or whatever. You wanna give us the signs, fine, go for it. We don't need them. We're gonna hit just fine. Eltuve back. Bregman back. And I'm not all that surprised. I don't think we were ever that surprised that this team was gonna be good again.
0: And they have a plus sixty run differential. Their expected win loss record is twenty nine and seventeen. Do you and have Oakland's only, sorry do
1: you uh, have Oakland's run differential?
0: Yeah, negative fourteen. Yeah, that's so Houston's they, a much better team. Oakland has been lucky. Their expected win uh, win, win loss record is twenty two and twenty four. So I'm not necessarily wrong, except uh, Bill has always said, "You are what your record says you are." Yep. Uh, so props to uh, to Oakland for uh, getting the most out of what they've done to this point. But the only team that uh, should be better than than Houston, the expected win loss of twenty nine and seventeen. Is the team we'll talk about in the AL Central uh, with the White Sox at twenty nine and fifteen?
1: I'm going to just blame anytime they don't hit their expected differential. I'm just blaming Tony Larusa. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's the team I picked. Right, that's the team I picked to win it all, and <laughs> they're winning be, in spite of Tony Larusa. They are an exceptionally good team. Somehow, without Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, they are still that good. And I love the White Sox. I think they're a fun team. Just I can't stand their manager. <laughs> so,
0: is there a I guess Oakland is the surprise. Is there a disappointment other than well, we already said it's the,
1: it's, uh, the Angels. it's the Angels.
0: So we move to the AL Central and we will talk the White Sox here leading the way at twenty-six and eighteen. Uh Cleveland knocking at the door, twenty-four and nineteen, game and a half back. And then you have a little more separation here. The the Royals twenty one and twenty-three. And then eighteen and twenty-seven for Detroit and sixteen and twenty-nine the Minnesota twins.
1: I think we know what our disappointment is. Yeah. Minnesota is bad. They just don't look very good right now. I said I think last week they look old. They look old, and they have a lot of old players. So if they keep tracking like this, some of those guys are going to be gone. I suppose I should talk about Kansas City. I've sort of adopted them as my de facto team. They got off. I it was think a they, hot were, it they were start. They were leading baseball or had the best record through April. They had a terrible May. It's more hanging around lately. But you're what two games below five hundred? Is that what you said? Two games. That's yep. That's fine. That's doable. You need Danny Duffy's arm to be okay. Right? Mondesi should be back this week, I think. And, you know, that could be, you're talking about possibly the fastest player in baseball at the top of your lineup who can make some up, up changes for your team. So I'm not ready to write off Kansas City yet. I still think they're going to be a contender.
0: Their offense needs a jolt actually more than their, their pitching at this point. Their pitching is average, uh, is, is what I'm seeing here. Their offense needs to be more. They're at a negative 26 run differential. And that's just because they played a lot of bad baseball of late. Uh, that's not a true talent level. That's just where things are right there. Uh, but again, still, whenever you're on that type of a stretch and you're hovering at 500, you're still in the game. The uh, when you're looking at 162 game season, the always the the phrase was to be still at least at 500 by the end of May. You give yourself a fighting shot, and so Kansas City still has the opportunity to go for a uh, a wild card run. They're not out of it yet.
1: I think we should say, do we truly think that the Twins are that bad? Like. Are they that bad? I I think they're better than Detroit, right? I think they're going to end up better than Detroit, but I don't know if that's a 500 team. Like from this point on, I'm not sure that's a 500 team.
0: Their uh, expected win loss is 20 and 25. We talked about this last week too with the teams that are kind of uh underperforming based upon their numbers. So 20 and 25 would be already a disappointment, but that's better than 16 and 29. So they have been somewhat unlucky and again, all it takes is a uh, a week stretch to try to change something, but there is nothing there right now that gives you that confidence that they can do that. Uh, and and that's the, the, the challenge right now is, again, what I just said, if you're at 500 after, after two months, you give yourself any opportunity to still uh, uh, make things happen. When you dig this big of a hole... It's hard to climb out of it, and not only is it hard to climb out of it, but you start getting in a mentality of players pressing. Uh, You get in guys that start getting stressed, frustrated, and they can torpedo very quickly uh, beyond what has already happened. So it is as close to a white flag moment already uh, for the Minnesota Twins, and they need at least to build each week, start taking two or three, uh, start getting some momentum, and maybe that can start to change. But right now there's there's no reason to expect it to happen, not that it can't. But well, definitely no reason to expect it to happen.
1: I had a friend just text me that Robbie Ray has a 47-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio since April 24th.
0: <laughs> well, he didn't get the win here today. Let's transition uh, to the that winning, division. The winning streak stays alive. Biggest surprise, Robbie Ray. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll gladly put that, uh, put that in there. Is there any other surprise uh, in the AL Central before we dive into AL East? Is it just the, the White Sox are doing what they're doing? Is there anyone else? Any I mean, the
1: disappointment Biggest is surprise, there. I suppose, would be... I think it's probably Cleveland, actually. The fact that they keep winning games without yeah. any offense. It's just we always write them off because their offense looks horrid. And Shane Bieber actually hasn't been all that good the last couple starts. I think he got kind of lit up today too. two. Not for him lit up, like a five-year But they keep winning games because they have an amazing – like Terry Francona, great manager, right? Great manager. Gets the best out of that team. And so they win games, and we always want to write them off.
0: Third, third best uh, run against uh, in all of the American leagues. So uh, they continue to do what they do best, and has let them be uh, still a winning ball club at this point. So now we'll move to that AL East. We have Boston at twenty eight and eighteen. Guess what we're going to talk about for surprises? New York Yankees at twenty seven and nineteen. Uh, Rays at twenty seven and nineteen. Though they won here tonight, so that changes that for sure. Uh, Toronto at twenty three and twenty, and Baltimore at seventeen and
1: twenty eight. It's competitive, right? There is really competitive. Four teams above 500. Biggest surprise, I guess it has to be Boston, right? We thought Boston was more likely to finish down by Baltimore than up. At, they're up at the top right now, and once again, never doubted the offense, right? Always said offense really good. Guess what? It's even better than I thought it would be. JD Martinez is back, no doubt. Xander Bogarts looks like an MVP winner, like he has been that good for them, and. It could get better. We talk about some of these teams that can call up more. Jaron Duran is just waiting to be the center fielder for them. He hit another home run today, I saw. J.R. Downs is a shortstop that they could – they're not going to call him up because Andrew Bogarts plays there, but Rafael Devers, like, they have offense for days. So it was always, how good is the pitching going to be? Well, Eduardo Rodriguez has come back from his year off of COVIDing and looks pretty good. Nate Aldi still healthy, That's and pitching pretty good. Garrett Richards, pitching pretty good. Those guys are on my fantasy team, by the way. And, uh, yeah, Boston looks great. So that's the
0: surprise. Their offense is only three runs behind the Houston Astros for best offense. Uh, It has been every bit as good. It's the pitching that has been the surprise uh, that has been doing uh, well enough uh, uh, for them and then some. And this is without Chris Sale. Uh, so uh, th- they have been an absolute surprise, and it's nice to see them back in some ways. As a Rays fan, I have to bite my tongue as I say that, but nice to see JD Martinez back, and uh, and going to make this an exciting summer with three legitimate teams having a contention at first. Toronto's not there yet.
1: Toronto's a good team. Toronto's good, but they they they're not at that level yet. I want to see Toronto push it. I want Toronto to put. They yeah. have a so we've talked about they're Nate capable. Pearson. We've talked about Nate Pearson on this podcast. He's good. He's in the minor leagues right now. They have a better one right now. Like Alex Manoa is looking unhittable at times at AAA for them. So it's it's time because the offense, once again, their offense, where are they at in runs scored? Because I bet you it's pretty high on that list because their offense looks incredible too. It's their pitching, and I just mentioned. Robbie Ray, pretty good for him somehow. Hyunjin Ryu, pretty good. Steven Matz, lit up lately. Just absolutely destroyed. So they need some pitching, but... They, We saw them make a move last year. The fifth uh, uh, best offense in the American League. Okay. I have no doubt about their offense. Like, none. So, we saw them make a move last year for Taiwan Walker, right? They have prospects for days, too. They can make lots of They'll, trades. They
0: will be an aggressive team at the trade deadline. You can absolutely bet on that.
1: And their best trade, they haven't made yet. They got one game, I think, out of George Springer. We have not really seen yeah. George Springer play for yeah. them yet. So, I am not ready to write off Toronto from winning this yet. So you have three right now with very good reasons why they could be four. Uh,
0: Disappointment, I think this is the biggest struggle because you have – not in terms of teams. So I guess you have to think players. Is there anyone that fits from a player standpoint that's a a disappointment because team-wise – this is everything that you would hope that it would be if you were a member of any of these teams, and that includes Baltimore, who just had a, a bad week of, of five straight losses. They were still not that terrible off of the five hundred record
1: uh, at the end of this past week. So, I need you to talk for a second. I have a disappointment, and it's DJ LeMahieu. Like, not bad, but two sixty. This is a guy that's whose career—that's this is a guy whose career average is three hundred three and three home runs, fourteen RBIs, two steals. 694 OPS. Like, DJ LeMahieu is good. 260 is good in today's day and age, but that's not what the Yankees pay him for. They do not pay for 260 out of DJ LeMahieu. They pay for 290 plus. He's a contact hitter, he's a potential batting uh, champion uh,
0: uh, type. batting title uh, type, that's that's his bat. It's not a power bat. Uh, it's a contact bat. So when you're not getting the contact, that was always the danger with him. Now, he's not at this level. He will he will improve. I have no, uh, just like I didn't doubt Francisco Lindor and the players before it, it's he will get there. But the danger to him at his age, the contract that he was able to get, is he's a one-trick pony. It's the contact. And if that goes...
1: That contract will go underwater very, very fast. In the last two weeks, so 15 games, actually, he's hitting two twenty four with a two eighty eight on base percentage. That's not good enough for what they pay him to do. And he's supposed to be the one that they can rely on to be the most consistent consistent one, right? He's the consistent one. Now, Judge has been great. When Stanton was healthy, great. I don't doubt when they're healthy they're going to hit, but they need more out of LeMahieu, and they'll be – I said, I I also agree with you. I don't think he's – he's not that bad. He's not that bad, but contacts can go quickly and I, is he 32 now yeah, 33 he's he's not, not he's not super young, young anymore, but yeah that's, that I'd say he's the biggest disappointment because like you said you're not I can't say that like above 500 you're your disappointment in Toronto right like so you're not going to pick any of those teams.
0: So there's our division uh, recap a uh, quarter of the way through and again, from anyone that was labeled as either surprise or disappointment again, we're only one fourth into the season. There's still three quarters to go, folks, and this is a, a long season still to come. Many more things. There are uh, breakthrough players. There's storylines that haven't even started yet that will be there by the time
1: the end of the season comes. So, uh, How are you going to watch your team when you're gone? Are you going to be able to watch your team from Michigan? I'm uh, Sorry, well, we're doing it a night uh, early because Dan's got a break coming up here.
0: MLB uh, TV goes with me wherever I go, so that makes it a whole lot more uh, more possible. And uh, I just don't have to tell uh, uh, tell the misses that I can put in my uh, earbuds and uh, just not along with whatever conversation is there as I listen to a game. So, uh, you know, there's many possibilities for keeping it going. That sounds like a good vacation okay, so. to me. <laughs> Well, let's take a look at uh, another success story a uh, quarter of the way through the season. Uh, we have, uh, again, Corey has been participating in an exclusive fantasy baseball uh, league, and along with those who you would say know what they're talking about uh, from various uh, blogs, podcasts, uh, and uh those that are very good at what they do, participating in this league, and we mentioned in last week's podcast the uh, coming in second uh, at one spot within you know there's the there's the rise and fall within the week and that that can always change throughout. But uh, this past week uh, led to a first, a literal first for uh, Corey getting into first place in this uh division
1: and you've been hovering between first and second here as we close the week right I I think Tuesday I got into first and spent Tuesday Wednesday dropped down to second I actually dropped down to third for a day but I'm back up at first right now thank you Mike Zanino Max Muncie, and Josh Harrison with a grand slam today so Manuel Margot's even man, got a stolen, got a stolen, bag stolen base free in an RBI actually, Jose okay I didn't. I just told you this, Jose Iglesias. I needed someone to fill in Corey Seager's spot this week, so I picked up Jose Iglesias. He is batting leadoff. He has two home runs. He has stolen two bases this week for me. So, knock on wood, like keep it up, guys. Because as you've heard, I mentioned my current injured list includes Mike Trout, multiple time MVP, Corey Seager. If you remember, Corey Seager was the best MVP hitter on the planet last year, and uh, that hurt. Nick Senzel injured. Luis Severino injured. Taiwan Walker injured. Victor Robles, injured. You're so, pulling a New York Mets right I, now. I am pulling a Mets. It's, I told you, here's the goal right now. I, I probably will not stay in first for forever, which is fine. That's, I don't need to stay in first. I need to stay in striking distance, right? Just stay where I can reach everybody, and then Seager should be back. And I think we're already a week in, so three weeks, right? Maybe by June, mid-June, I get Seager back. And Mike Trout is the all-star break, and they come back and they hit, and... That's where I get to first. Now, my pitching has been otherworldly good. That's really what's carrying me. Brandon Woodruff, other than the Brewers' inept offense, to score him any runs looks great. Araldis Chapman still has not given up. Did you see the triple play? I did not. So he's still not giving up a run. He started off yesterday with, the I think it was walk-hit or hit-walk, and then he got a triple play. So when you get that, that's impressive. So he has not given up a run yet this season. Julio Urias, we don't talk about him with the Dodgers, but great. He's looked like probably better than Walker Bueller even for them. Joe Musgrove goes up and down, but generally good. Uh, Josh Stalmont, we can talk about some of the guys I picked up, but Nate Evaldi, I mentioned, great pitcher. Tywin Walker is doing good. Ryu, guess what? He does exactly what we say he is. He's really good, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And then you mentioned how great Rich Hill's been, and I have Rich Hill. So I've added some of the players I've added over the course of the year have really helped me.
0: Let's talk about that, because we mentioned uh, last week how hard it is if you don't draft well. Uh, there there's no trades to save uh, save a season uh, this has to be from drafting well then to also a pool of money to pick up free agents uh, each week you have a chance to place a bid and you have to have the highest bid in order to get them and some of the prices that get out there for some of these more bigger name guys or potential that's there uh, can blow your entire season budget. Uh, so you have stayed away from that you said your philosophy is not to bet big on on particular players. And so I asked how hard it is to make in-season moves that can be difference makers for you. And right now, part of the reason that I've seen for your uh, making it to first is you have been hitting on all cylinders for these types of moves. If you take a look at the players that you've added during the year, uh, Mike Zunino, uh, Rich Hill, Jose Iglesias, uh,
1: Josh Stamond, uh, these guys are playing huge roles for you right now. Yeah, they've been great. Uh you mentioned you mentioned Josh Harrison in that list too. Josh Harrison hit a grand slam today. I added him. He I don't even think he was on the Nationals at the beginning of the year, but yeah, he's played huge for me, and I've needed him. Zanino, I had I said you need two catchers. Christian Vasquez has been a very good first catcher, but the second catcher you always just want don't be terrible. And Zanino is leading all baseball all catchers at least in home runs and not that far off of the Shohei Otani pace. So yeah, I couldn't ask for any more. Max Muncie has been great the last two weeks. I see he's three for four again tonight with a solo home run and I did draft him. I shouldn't say I did draft him, but yeah, the fill-ins and you said you can pay $70 easily triple digits for a closer. And Kendall Graveman has sort of closed for Seattle, but they keep going to Rafael Montero a lot too. So I just threw a couple buck weeks early. I threw some money on Josh Stalmont and I see he got a little hit today, but he's been very good. He got me two saves this week. So that's how you got to do it. I will not pay the huge like if Vidal Bruhan got called up. would I bid two hundred and fifty dollars on him because of what he could do in steals. Sure. Well, I get him s- at that steals. Maybe.
0: Steals being uh, at a different level, like because that's so
1: hard to find right now in baseball. Like like if he got called up, would I make a huge bid for him? Yep, because I could use the stolen bases. But beyond that, I will not pay for like that for stolen ba- for s- saves because. You could see all these guys get traded, right? Like, yep. it's, like yep. Detroit. I know somebody paid up for Michael Fulmer last week because he had a couple saves. If Detroit's out of it in two weeks, Fulmer gets tr- like in a month. Fulmer gets traded. I'm almost sure of that. He'll get traded out of there. And the same thing with the Minnesota guys. How many of those guys are going to get traded? So, I would have loved to kept Blake Trinan. I wanted. Remember, I had Blake Trinan, yeah. but just the injuries have made it to the point where I I physically couldn't keep him. I needed more pitching and. I that's where I'm sitting this week with outfield because currently we've talked about it before I started. My outfield is Manny Margot, who plays five out of seven games roughly for the for the race, which is good enough. I'll keep five out of seven. Trevor Larnark, who as long as I don't quite know what Minnesota – we talked about Minnesota a lot, right? Like, But Buxton's gone. If he comes back, I don't know if they send him to the minors, but right now he's been playing good enough to keep him. Adam Eaton plays five-ish out of seven games for the White Sox. Harrison Bader plays every day because he's really good at defense for the Cardinals, so he stays in there and, and injured Victor Oblis. And I don't have a fill-in right now. I don't have a backup because Trout got hurt and Senzel got hurt. So I don't know if I'm going to just roll and hope that Victor Oblis is okay or make a move this tomorrow and see what I get. I have not – we were looking at beforehand, and I'm debating on Taylor Ward, but I don't know who I want to drop for him. So I'm not ready to drop Victor Oblis just because of the steals' possibility. So the uh,
0: uh – Thought and all this as we wrap up uh, this week again. It's early, uh, but uh quarter of
1: the way through the season, sitting in first place. 107 uh, points out of the overall. Sorry, I, should, I didn't mean to cut you know, off, man. So there's, we always said there's 435 total people. I'm first in league 16 out of the 15 in there, but I am 71 out of the all 435. And the goal was always to be in the top 100. So Hey, I'll take it. And uh, when you say 435, so again,
0: we've only been focusing on the, the division overall. That's uh, what I who, focus on. Who are some of the other names? Like, who are some of, like, when we're saying 435, is this the, would you call this the most exclusive uh, baseball uh, fantasy uh, uh, league that
1: is out there, at least as far as we know from public knowledge? Oh, yeah. You, I mean, we talked about Eno Saris, right? Eno Saris is in it. And I'm trying to see if I can load some of these names. Eno Saris. Uh, Dylan White, Eric Cross, who runs Fangraphs, is in it. Ariel Cohen is actually Ian Kahn, who's a actor. He played George Washington on Turn, but a very big fantasy baseball player. So, at Andrew, all the people that you hear mentioned if you're a baseball nerd, like if you see a lot of these names on Fangraphs or on Baseball HQ, Baseball Reference, they're in it. Uh, some of the more famous, like famous older guys would be like, uh, Howard Bender, right, he, he writes for baseball reference, I think. And Nick Pollock, he runs Pitcher List, which is one of the biggest websites there is out there, and Alex Fast. So, yeah, there's big there's big names, and I'm just trying to hold my own. And for right now, I'm doing a pretty good job at it. I'm not going to – I don't want to toot my own horn too much here, like I said. But my offense is getting better, and my pitching is doing enough. So, okay, as I said, just hold in there, and we'll see what I get with Mike Trout. Like I said, every now and then, it's uh,
0: as if we know what we're talking about over here on the Heater Podcast. So uh, if you're looking for an underrated uh, podcast to clue in on, feel free to uh, spread the word. Uh, to, we still uh, have to do a day at the Popcorn Wagon.
1: There. Yeah, we have to do a, get one uh, live edition going uh, with that. We'll have mm-hmm. to do that here in the summer. Yes, we will. I will be there every time. You, you just tell me when you want to come because I'm always there.
0: Sounds like a plan there. We'll uh, keep you posted on, on what date gets uh, picked for that as we get into summer. Uh, but with that... Uh, Enjoy watching uh, Major League Baseball this week, and we will look forward to uh, talking to you about uh, uh, if there's any more uh, uh, eruptions, uh, sticky situations, trades. Uh, Again, it's been an eventful week here. We'll see what next week.